Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Don't Talk If You Don't Know, the unofficial official podcast dedicated to all things high-level teamfight tactics, at least in North America. My name is Frodan, I am your host as always. Joined once again, back-to-back -back episodes is Nathan, that's Admirable Zamora filling in for Bryce while Bryce is still traveling back from Scotland celebrating his father's birthday. Hope they had a good time. Nathan, how you doing, man? How was your weekend? I, well, it was pretty good. Uh, I'm certain that you can remember quite a bit of it. Uh, regionals was, I thought, fantastic. And I'm just excited about who's joining us, too, because we have two very fantastic performers from the tournament who happen to be right next to me. That's right. We have the top two of the tournament. We've got Juku and re replay so let's start off with juke you uh why don't you introduce yourself should, should, first of all should we even call you juke you or should we call you something else yami dudes perhaps oh my god dude that uh name was just like an old super old username that i used when i played games with my younger brother and it was like when like before the period of time when you would have more than one computer in the house so of course you had to play together so I can't believe it's stuck this far or this long and now like it's being introduced. Yeah, no. Um I can be just juke you. Um, okay, all right. Yeah, that, that's okay. Uh yeah, so I'm juke you. That's a weird thing to say, but yeah, that's my name. Um I've been playing for a while. I've been playing since set 1. I hit challenger for the first time in set 3.5 watching the likes of Chromex and Goose or GV8 at the time. And, um, yeah, I've been playing, I've been consistently challenger ever since. Uh, when double up came up, I played a ton of double up. Um, sort of sit rank one there, go to EOS, get rank one there, go to Korea, get rank one there. It's been my thing. Um, and then kind of took a break from double up this set to play competitive, and here I am. Wow. Wow. So, I want to actually ask a, follow a couple of follow up questions. The first is, Double up versus solo queue. You're not the first person to talk about how double up is a really good way for them to practice. I guess they inform. Do you think double up has even more potential than solo queue? Because some people have been talking about that before in the past. They love double up even more than just solos. What do you think? I think it's a mixed bag. Um, so it's only four players. The balance has to be really good for for double up to be good. Uh, you you can't just dodge the high rollers. You you basically play them every like other round. Either you or your teammate play them every other round. So it's it, it's a lot about like knowing the broken thing and forcing the broken thing between the two of you. So it's kind of a little bit um annoying in that sense. Um, but just as a game mode, there's just it's a lot more complex because you have to th think about more things right uh, you have to plan your board your teammates board at the time when i was playing you could still send items to each other which obviously became a problem but uh really figuring out your items was also a skill um so i really thought uh it was more fun for me because you can sort of banter with your teammate at the same time mm -hmm. but uh yeah there's, there's so much more strategy to it Okay. all right well i'm curious to get to know you a little bit more as well but i also want to welcome in our other guests at the same time, it is re replay. Go by Skanda Palani. Am I pronouncing that correct? Or is that is that is that your real name? I actually changed my. Tw I made a new Twitter. It's like re replay TFT. Oh, okay. I'll change it live on the fly. Yeah, hang, on. hang on one second. 
You replay TFT. Got it. Exactly got it. Replay without the TFT. Oh. All right. So we just got re replay on Twitter. You got re replay on Twitter. Yeah, I think so. My goodness gracious, so. this guy's uh, Mr. Worldwide now. Just everyone been into uh -oh. as well. Why don't you introduce yourself to anyone who's never heard or seen you before? Um, yeah, so I, I started playing in like beta and I played like set one. I think I hit like top 10 set one and then I quit for set two because that set was not really good. And then I played set three. I played all of set three and I was like top 10 for a large part of it. And I played in regionals then, but like set three did not have many tournaments. And I got day one regionals. It was pretty sad. And then I kind of just started working. So I didn't really have time to play most other sets. And I started playing again back in set eight. So, so then what? Well, I know we talked about it at the end of the broadcast, but to you know, talk about it in this podcast, what was the reason you came back after you know four, four to five sets off? Yeah, so I was kind of honestly just bored of working, and I was like, kind of wanted to quit my job and do something else. And then, oh, yeah? like, the way it works out is like, I kind of like a non-compete from working, so like, can't really work in the same field for a year. So I decided to play TFT for a year. Oh, so this is just the first of two sets that you're going to really try hard. Is that what's going on? I'm definitely committed to playing the next set. Ah, wow. All right, all right, all right. Uh, that's really cool. What, what, are you allowed to talk about your job, uh, like what you do outside of, uh, like, like outside of TFT? Uh, it's basically like a software dev and a training company. Ah, okay, okay. Wow, it seems like that's a common theme, Nathan. Yeah, like everybody. a lot of people like that. Yeah. Is that the job that's a prerequisite because you have the flexibility to, to play TFT? <laughs> like, like socks is the same thing too. <laughs> I was just about to ask this, actually. I mean, I feel like a lot of people who are into games and computers just end up naturally in software dev. Like, oh, I could do computers for a living. Great. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I really missed the ball here. Yeah, at least uh, you did. But you're not a player, Nathan. You are a commentator. Whoa, uh, hang on. That comes from a different background. I was kind of just curiously crazy by the thought that you took like four and a half sets off and then you just come back and you're like, oh, yeah, let me just make it to Worlds. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty bad in the beginning of the set. I think I got a lot better over the course of it. I think like mid-set was around when I started becoming like, like a normal challenger player to like actually like good at the game. Yeah, you just got to polish it up a little bit. That makes sense Interesting. Interesting. So you felt like, definitely felt that rust that you hadn't like played for a long time. And so, so then what, what was like your... Well, what did you do to get back into like elite form? I think some players probably were are wondering, right? Like, is you? It felt like you came out of nowhere again because that's what happened in set three. No one really knew who you were, and then you come in set eight, and so all of a sudden, it's like, whoa! What, 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 who is this re replay guy again? So, like, what what are you? What, what are some of your things that you're doing that you feel like can help you learn and acclimate fast enough for people who also want to follow your footsteps? I mean, I think like like obviously like watching a lot of other players is like really important because like. I do the same thing over and over again, but if I see other players, like they do completely different things and they you know, open your horizons. I think something else that like I don't know if a lot of people do is like, like you don't have to like do like full value reviews of your own games. But, like whenever you like bot four, just like try to think of like why you bought for that game and like you can look in like key fights or key moments and see if you make dis different decisions. So it only takes like five minutes or something, like not nothing long. Got it, got it. We've asked Juku during his regionals winner interview where he said that this was like the first game that he was hyper competitive at and uh, able to kind of perform at an elite level. Is that the same for you, re replay? Um, like I was pretty good at like like in Hearthstone and like in high school during classes, I was like often top ten in Hearthstone. And then like oh. I played also like Hearthstone Battlegrounds. I played it like I think post set three ish, 
um but just like on the side i think i was like like traveling and stuff so i was like playing mobile a lot of the times so i was like top 10 for like a long period of time in that game too what the heck man wow. this guy just top 10 everything he does <laughs> wait hang on was your name on hearthstone re-replay yes what what time period were you playing um i think it was post set three okay so two um, years wow. two, three years ago nathan three years ago it was right when grandmasters had started then if that, if, 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 that, if i recall uh, correctly yeah, oh, yeah it was when everyone... in the swing of it in the swing of it that was when unfortunately competitively we had to stop paying attention to ladder because we had to focus full time on 16 players uh yeah unfortunate um well i just just the last thing how old are you re replay uh 25. okay 25. So, so the interesting thing is more about like because people talk about tft being a young person's game and i feel like it becomes more common to see people who are just straight up adults juju how old are you i'm 29 man <laughs> 29 well i mean i can't tell man you look like me we're like young asian dudes but you are we are we 25 are we 35 are we 65 you don't really know we just have to, you just have to yeah, ask it, us it, it's there's no way to tell <laughs> uh so do you feel like people are, so it was just a question you guys are on the older side of competitors do you feel like tft does skew towards younger players to give them an advantage or do you feel like that's not really true and you feel like because you know of all these other factors whether or not you're you, you have you've experienced playing games or whatnot do you think that also is working to your advantage juke i think there's some th it's it's more of a um like give and take here uh compared to like a game like league of legends where you have these freaking like 13 year olds coming out of middle school uh, like <laughs> wrecking everybody um <laughs> but uh i remember i was watching uh like last week's podcast or I guess maybe two weeks ago, the one with D-Pay and D-Pay talking about how like we can't play that many games in a row. We have to go and see sunlight and stretch. And then <laughs> you asking him how old he was. He was like, I'm 29. Like, Holy shit, I'm 29. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally feel that. We were joking, right? Um, For the eight game day for day two, it was like the the zoomers of the bunch are going to have like a field day for this game seven and eight because like we're going to be burnt out by seven eight. and it was true i was burnt out by game six or game yeah game six so six seven and eight of, of day two wasn't so hot for me um, so, so in that sense it was like good or bad for us good for them but there's definitely more like discipline you could use more discipline for this kind of game to not tilt you can uh do more studying and know more lines uh in this game and that's not necessarily associated with being young so uh i think based on results um like players like robin being so like pretty top of his form um like yeah you can see both young and old players here why, why, dude, Robin, Robin's like a year older than you, man. You're yeah. like, you're just using him as an yeah, extreme. I'm, I'm on the old side. I'm, I call myself old now. <laughs> all right. I can't all right, imagine right. doing this like in two years. Although I might. Man, I don't oh, even feel that old. Man. I just had like a big injury. Like, I don't oh. know. I just, I don't see it. I guess like the older you get, kind of like nothing seems older the older you get. It's really weird. I don't it really be, know. It could to... be. When, when, you, when you get to like 32, 33, you just think that's the same as like 38 at that point. But I think when you're 22, you feel like 20, 28 is like the oldest thing ever, I guess, if you're, yeah. if you're in, that, in that range. That was how I felt at that age, I remember. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, thank you guys for making us feel really old. Nathan and I are both in our <laughs> 30s for now. And then- Yeah, I won't be 40s. there much longer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You, <laughs> when, when do you turn 30, Juke? When do you turn 30? Uh, in four months. 
Okay, all right. Well, maybe you can be a world champion before you turn 30. Let's go ahead and uh, hop into the main portion of the show using all of our fancy graphics and whatnot. And so first thing we always do is talk about news. Speaking of old, this might be a little bit old news to everybody else, but uh, the patch for 13.10 is not very big. It's only just a couple of tweaks. So we're going to be buffing Anima Squad, Ace, the, the, the specific Ace trait, Draven and Jax, both double trouble, two and three, and the Hero Augment, Jubilant Veil for Neela, and then nurse to Gadgetine and Pantheon. And so we have two world's competitors here. I want to get their reactions based off the patch. Do you feel like this is like the correct tweak? Mortarray said that he didn't want to actually do a big patch to influence things going into the world championship. We'll start with re-replay. What do you what, what do you think about the patch? I, I saw like the exact numbers, and the thing I liked is like there's no large changes really. Like all these changes like are extremely small. That I don't really expect them to change the matter that much. Uh, Something in particular though is is the jacks. Like I don't think many people in A or like me particularly have played much jacks since like it was broken a long time ago. So like maybe you need to look into that a little more. Uh, also, the pantheon changes look kind of small. That like Lulu rule is still probably going to be like quite solid. Yeah, although I feel I think most people at point at it's not necessarily the Lulu reroll per se. It's the augments surrounding it. If Lulu gets Axiomark and like kind of the crazy combinations, but they have like Jeweled Lotus and Battle Mage and everything like that. That's when it starts getting kind of crazy. And without it, it does feel like strong, but kind of beatable. Do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, it's it's mostly if when you get Axiomark with Lulu, I, I don't know what like the Delta is like stats wise, but I, it feels like it's insane. The difference between Axiomark and not Axiomark. Oh yeah. Also like Lulu, I feel like is more like matchup particular than other comps. Where like Lulu into Spell Slingers feels really weak, but Lulu into like other comps that like I don't mm. know, like Infinity, for example, is like you just run over the board. Yeah, yeah, it's true. The Ox Force is what really stops that crazy big resets for Lulu and she gets stuck for a naturally large time. Now, Juke, you uh kinda wanna get some of your thoughts here. Uh outside of the stuff that re replay already mentioned, is there anything else that catches your eye? Um five AD on Anima sounds like you know, it could be a tipping point that combat's always been are you plus 50 hp or are you plus 100 hp at certain points in the game uh so 5 ad might be a, might be like the Lee Sin meme right um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that one i'm i have my eye on i don't really think four ace makes a big difference i was trying to do some i, I feel like china might value four ace more than uh na does uh, I'm not completely sure. I was trying to bot review Hong or Aha or someone, but I think he was just trolling in solo queue. He was playing a lot of 4 ace. I was like, why are you doing this? He went like bot four twice in a row. Um, so I don't think 4 ace makes a big difference. I'm scared of Draven coming back in, me in the meta, but probably it's not a big deal. Um, and double trouble. I like. I think the biggest problem with double trouble is like you pick it and you're not. Your board isn't a double trouble board yet, and you're weak. This is like 4 ADAP. It's like a prep stack, right? It's okay, but it's not going to make a big difference. Okay. In terms of tempo. All right. So it feels like what, what y'all are saying is that like in terms of balance stuff, really one of the biggest things to look at would be augments. Is, is, that, is that something that y'all feel is true? What do you mean by that? Oh, I, I think currently the game is like quite balanced. Like there's, I'm happy that they haven't changed much, like including augments. Okay, so like the, the specific problem would just be like Lulu with specific augments. Okay, that's not very much, I think. 
well okay so i mean there's more changes that hasn't been listed i think one of the bigger ones also is that they fixed a couple of bugs uh for example there was something that circulated thanks to a few really astute members of the legendary frodan discord server that noticed that the uh the crit <laughs> interaction with samira and infinity edge was actually not working as intended and apparently when they re when they re fixed the situation with nar because earlier in the set a couple patches ago nar was still double critting with his base ability plus infinity edge so if you put ie on nar it would actually stack the crits um which was not supposed to be happen but by changing that i think they accidentally broke it on a couple of champions and i think that went under the radar for one patch and we didn't notice because it was very subtle and then and then more data came in and all of a sudden it started revealing itself so that's really nice a buff to ad which i think makes players like review play happy because i know you love ad a lot right uh so hopefully that's a big shot now were you trying to avoid that all weekend i feel like some players were just like my god i keep i can't make this infinity because just i don't know who it's broken on <laughs> no it was, i actually knew it was bugged like from the moment it was bugged and i, I actually kept on the really down low because I, yeah yeah because I, I i knew in the stats like it was really bad and then i also like like i looked into like as you have more sure shots like the item doesn't get any better so like I knew it was bugged, but like I also like didn't really know how it was bugged. But I was just like, I'm not really gonna look into this. It's it's like very likely bugged, but like it's kind of whatever. And like I was kind of like the only person that like really plays the Infinity line that often, or like really most AD lines that often. But like yeah, I kind of okay. just didn't say anything though. My goodness. Maybe, maybe a bad look. Maybe a bad look. Well, it's like inverse tech. I didn't. I mean, I, I didn't realize that you, like you had been the first to catch on to that. That's really cool. I think. And now that I now that you mentioned, it, I think someone did say that to me one time like re replay actually knew that uh i am in advance oh actually talai is in chat and said he messaged me instantly like weeks ago is that true can you corroborate that yeah, we were playing a game together and i was like like i can't build this affinity edge and and he was in the game too i was like i'm, I'm not crazy right these stats don't make any sense to me right and yeah interesting interesting well they supposedly they fixed that so going into it we'll, we'll see who knows if they fixed everything or maybe it's another situation where they fixed that on, on samira it breaks somewhere else but i guess we have time to find out and the last thing was that they changed the interaction with ezreal quick draw and his projectile double casting or in some cases i think what duck was saying it was triple casting and if you were able to set it up uh and i think that is something that was under debate whether or not that was like bug abusing uh, GQ even played Hacker Ezreal, by the way. Yeah, some of the, the dark, dark tech, the forbidden tech, if you will. So, GQ, why don't you add some commentary to what I'm talking about here? Okay, so I knew about the double cast because I played against Coleman in solo queue and he was hackering his Ezreal. I'm like, what the hell is this thing doing? Why is it killing everything? <laughs> so, I thought. I thought what was happening was if his first cast kills one thing, then his quick draw will kill a different thing, and you could kill two things at once. Wow, great value. Um, but I guess uh, Ladox video came out and was like, wow, it was actually super bugged. Uh, that said, uh, it's really hard to reach the threshold, by the way, to, for, mm -hmm. for the bug, because it only applies if the main cast kills and you're already building healing and you're already building a blue buff so what kind of damage do you have to make your main cast kill something in one hit like it's very hard uh so even in my game i think it only bugged one fight it bugged twice that one fight and it was already a one one fight because i was hacking ezreal killing like the lulu um 
So I don't think it makes that big of a difference. Uh, it ultimately comes down to hacker kills backline units and you win the right, fight. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Because if, if anything, you were like one fight away from taking like a like a sixth or a seventh, right? Because you you were like yeah. kind of stable, and then all of a sudden you lost like one or two fights. Like, oh my god, this this hacker Ezra might just out of nowhere go sixth or seventh. Um, but then you were able to it's like almost went out and land very nicely in the top two, I believe. So that was a great game. One of many compositions that Juki played, by the way, throughout the weekend, <laughs> which we'll get in, we'll we'll get into regionals soon. Though. So uh, with that, let's talk about regionals, shall we? And uh, get ready to to jump into straight up how about we go into stats first i feel like stats are like kind of something that people really want to talk about so do i have it here yes so here we go and pull up onto the main screen so on regionals the four most popular compositions were ox force spell slingers riftwalker Ginflex, laser core warwick and Gadgetine Gnar, which had a couple of different variations. And then right behind it was Lulu. So kind of like a top five, if you will. Um, but not all of them performed particularly really strongly. I think the most interesting thing was that Oxford Spellslinger performed quite bad in the average placement and in win rate. Uh, and it was so popular because I think it was just people were contesting each other. Um, and then you also have things like Lulu, who is touted to be such a high win rate, but you also see at a really high bot four rate. So if it got to if it got to the top four, Lulu often won. But if it didn't get to the top four, it was doing really really poorly. So kind of want to hear about some of the stats and a little bit about like what you guys think of how that colored your weekend. We'll start off with re replay. Oh, I was kind of looking at the Infantium Sivir and Samira split up because I, I play a lot of Infantium, and I'm kind of surprised that. The Samira one is like the, like the stats are good, while the Silver one, the stats aren't good. I assume this is like Silver 3 Infantium. So I feel like the cap on Silver 3 Infantium is actually a lot higher than the Samira one. Like, honestly, just maybe oh. low sample size. Okay. But, yeah, I, I played a lot of Ginflex and Warwick, and I didn't play much like like TF because I thought it would be really contested during the tourney, and I think it was really contested the first two days. Like, by the time it got to the third day, I feel like TF was actually like pretty open in those lobbies. Well, it's kind of interesting because the first day, I think you're right. The first day, you can see it averaged a 4.96. And the second day, it averaged a 5.1 almost. So it got worse on the second day. And then by the end of the day, by the end of the weekend, it was pulled back to like a 4.8, 4.9. So uh, it seemed like you're correct. The last day, uh, it was not nearly as contested. And I think it could be the fact that, for example, like you tried to avoid it. And so the last day is like, you know, players like you, perhaps that weren't exactly like open to line versus I think the, the general field wanted to play a lot of it. Uh, Juki, what, what are some stats that are sticking out to you when you're looking at this? Um, not necessarily sticking. I guess I'm not that surprised, but uh, I went into the weekend kind of flexing Warwick Jin, and the third option was Infiniteam. I guess it sounds like the same as a uh, replay, um, but I I'm, I expected more infinite team um, players to be honest. I didn't think it was that weak of a line, but it looks like people really shied away from it. Uh, that's one thing that I'm noticing here. Uh, I'm noticing slightly that even though uh, Jin was as contested as TF, the stats are better, and I think it just comes down to the TF board being really locked and you don't really have that many carry options so you're always 
And already my my impression of that comp is that, or Spell Slingers in general, is that it really relies on that one unit TF to clean everything up because everyone else is AOE. So like, if you don't have TF two, you you bottom out. So that's what that's what I see here. Okay. So do you would you agree, or would it be fair to say that a good portion of the field had a wrong meta read because of the stats and how it panned out? I think we started doing in-houses on Wednesday, and between Wednesday and Thursday, everyone was playing TF. So uh, it was doing really well in the lobbies. Uh, so everyone went in thinking TF was the uh, comp to play, I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that makes it a wrong meta read, because I think TF was really strong. It was more so that when everyone plays TF, TF becomes not strong, but like if everyone plays Jin. Like, you can flex different carries on the Jin comp and still, like, come out with, like, a decent result. But you can't really flex your TF carry in, in the TF comp, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Uh, admirable. How about you? What are some... What's, what, is there any stats in this list or something that you've noticed that also stands out? It felt like to me that Belveth was actually, like, really overperforming in some spots. But I'm curious if that's just because the opening for it was so good. Like, I'm taking a lot of account, like, what I actually saw and then trying to combine that with what i'm seeing here um i'm kind of surprised at like how strong nar felt like when this board actually capped it's like what's surprising like some of these numbers it? just well it's just like a four average is like oh my gosh and then you're looking at like 3.29 in some spots i mean again you, you have a very low sample size here but it's like i didn't i knew this comp was powerful when it was able to be put together i didn't realize that he could achieve like such high numbers in terms of just blowing out the rest of the lobby like that is is pretty surprising to me like we're looking at you know 16 games with a 31.3 win like that is that is like madness it, it was also partially because if you have a spot for gadgetine the, the the cap of it's really high because some people just get like new new augments for example at 4-2 and then there's also people doing some pretty pretty illegal things like malala hitting nunu 2 on stage four and then just like oh, yeah. like and winning out um but you know that's only one of several people that were kind of accomplishing that and i think everyone kind of understands that if gadgetine you have to set up for it it is insanely good right the stats on gadgetine crest at 4-2 and laser core are still bananas and and that's nerfed <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous yeah. um but going back to your other point i think belveth was often a fallback i've seen both i thought i think i saw both of you right were you replaying juke you playing some belveth throughout the weekend yeah i think i mostly only play Belveth if i have like really good spot for like if you get like scope weapons 2-1 or something like you just hard force Belveth, and like mm -hmm. this leads to your stats where like low sample size like you hit the right like angle for it like, kind of like with nara where like if you hit ancient archives into gadgeting spat like like your spot is insane like the stats will make it look good but it's not really like a forceful thing like you can only yes, play it yes. when you get the opener for it i i learned that the hard way because i think the the <laughs> caveat to what admirable said was it's 31.3 percent win rate which is bananas almost like tripling any other standard composition that isn't lulu uh but the top four rate is only 50 percent. so it turns out a lot of people's spots if they're not able to actually snowball that gadgetine league can oftentimes just lead to a bot four or first but uh, perhaps a really good comp to keep under your sleeve for checkmate. Hint, hint. North American never plays checkmate. <laughs> maybe think about some gadget. No, we, we don't know. Maybe the maybe the nerfs end up uh, impacting it. But you gotta be able to ha play those kinds of lines uh, going into the world championship. My takeaway yeah. with Belveth, really, really powerful synergy with mana tempering. I kind of actually really slept on that concept a lot. 
uh man tempering the more you cast the more you're scaling your ad guess what belveth is basically like blue buff levels of uh mana pool like in terms of she'll just cast all the time <laughs> if you if you if you uh if you pay attention so really cool interaction there that um i just didn't really pay nearly as much attention the last thing i want to ask about before we can move on from the stats is what happened to mech i feel like uh, i feel like mech's not even represented here what made mech so undesirable or unpopular currently this weekend replay in, in my opinion i think the ramesses it makes mech kind of not desirable just because like a lot of times if you're playing a garen and you sack two units to deal via mech like those can just be two Ramesses, and honestly, I think a lot of times that's just better <laughs> than being a mech. Interesting! Wow. Ramus peddlers, so, yeah. We replay Sharon the Tech, it's just, it's a Ramus, it, it's a Ramus diff. Juki, do you agree with that? I, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on why it felt so much worse. Um, it's definitely just an expensive comp, and when the tempo is high, uh, you need to get to your two-star mech. Like you, the fact that you're sacrificing so many units to this unit means the unit itself has to be two star, and you also have to get your perfect items because you're also you're sacrificing so much stuff. You, you better make it worth it. So it felt like you had to have a really good spot to get them, make it worth playing the mech. And Sesuko still plays mech. I was saying this yesterday, uh, that you know he has his ideas of what he thinks is good, and he still thinks the mech is worth playing. Uh, so there are spots where it's still good, but you have to get there. It's really high cap. Okay. We saw one mech perform really well. It's not that mech uh -oh. can't perform well. It's just that I think the conditions... I, the way I was, I was describing on cast is that you need a lot of things to go right, and oftentimes the composition is expensive, and you have to have items for everything. So uh, it I just like it's feels... a lot of the meta. It's kind of interesting to me. You have to know a lot. That's kind of what I'm taking away from all of these numbers is that you got to know more. If you don't know more, you're going to get sat down. Sure, sure. I, I, I can understand that. Uh, I realized I took out the numbers by accident, but uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about composition-wise? I'm happy to move on to kind of the tournament results and talk a little bit about that. All right. So, re-replay. He's in chat, memeing about Ramus. He typed Ramus heart. <laughs> Garen is more expensive Ramus. Okay. All right. I see. I see. That's, I understand where all the keyword strokes are coming from. <laughs> Let's talk about day one, quotation marks, shall we, of, uh, of regionals. This wasn't a really a, day, a true day one. We only played four games, and then Tournament Realm went down, which uh, also was just taxing in itself because we were having such long breaks to try to figure it out. Well... What was going through? What was happening on the player side? Because we were here cast, like casting, right? Kind of figuring out what's going on. Uh, Juke, what, what was going on in the lives for players, like getting frustrated or people falling asleep? Like, what was happening in the player side of things? Uh, this is for day one. Yeah, day one. Uh, like, all that stuff. I don't know. Like, definitely having. So I, I've said this before. Uh, maybe just on Reddit or something, but. If you have a good start and you have a comfortable like point lead, you can play like conservatively, and conservatively means you probably get to your late game better, and then you end up topping out anyway. Whereas if you're playing like you need to win, it like messes up the flow of the game for you, and then you mm -hmm. end up uh, at the bottom again. So, uh, yeah, so that's. For me, like the, the lo longer you get into um, your win streak, the easier it becomes because everyone else is like playing um, more 
erratically let's call yeah, it higher risk they're, they're trying they're trying to play themselves out of that deficit and it feels like they have to incur more risk and because you're taking like a stand like a more conservative approach you're, you stand to benefit from the windows risks don't pay off is that, is that is that what you're trying to say yeah okay and, okay. and maybe maybe it's a little bit of like tournament um play style everyone starts playing super aggressively and if everyone plays aggressively no one really gets the benefit of playing aggressively and then if you don't play as aggressively then you um you spike at a different time and you get the benefit of playing greedy you know it's there's a lot of from meta for sure um interesting it, it's hard to t see like without reviewing every single game and that's what juki is doing by the way if you watch his stream post regionals this guy's just watching everything he possibly can reminds me a little bit of asa <laughs> in terms of approach just like let me see what I can get about every player. And we'll, we'll revisit that topic in a little bit, Juke. You topped out Dane with one points, 39, fantastic. Uh, replay, what happened day one, man? It looked like you were struggling a lot at the beginning. I was sweating. The captain of my fantasy team was uh, <laughs> we just taking a lot of bot twos. What, what, what was going on, man? I think like the first four day after the first four games, it was like the, the fake day one, I guess. Like I was outside looking in. I think I was like, like right outside or so. So I was kind of stressed for like, day two and like trying to make sure I, I end up top 16 like i don't know like I, I think i low rolled but i also think i just wasn't playing like aggressively enough like i was trying to go fast bait a little too often i wasn't like willing to roll to, like zero zero like actually zero on four one a lot of times where like when i looked around like post four one roll down I, I i scouted and i see like literally everyone has no gold and they have the strongest board that they could have <laughs> mustered and i'm like sitting here like with 30 gold like that's like my board's kind of good like it's kind of good enough but it wasn't a lot of times the ladder yeah. mentality where you, re you you feel like you can stop rolling here and go to eight but everyone else is rolling so you're under a lot of pressure and also you know if i felt I, I feel free to correct me if i'm wrong but there were moments where things were also just feeling like rocky like you were trying to do some positioning stuff and like riff walkers were like attaching to the wrong like zach was attached to the wrong riff walkers and stuff like that were you feeling nervous at all during the tournament because i felt like watching the gameplay i was like man i'm not i doesn't feel like i'm watching the same replay than i've watched before I, I definitely get nervous. I think I get nervous when I'm too far ahead and too far behind. Like, I think I need to be, like, in a good middle spot. Okay. Because I realized, okay. like, like, like day two, I, I started, like, going 1-1-1 or something. I got nervous for no reason because, like, there's nothing else to even do at that point. Ah, um, okay, okay. Also, like, I, I get nervous when I'm, like, I started, like, I think I started the tournament, like, going, like, 7, like, 5 or something. Like, like basically two bot fours, I think. And, like, it's just, like, oh, I gotta make sure I end up top 16. So, yeah, I need, I need to work okay. on that, maybe. All right, all right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the other players, because obviously we replay and Juku had a happy ending to this tournament, but some not so happy endings, or perhaps the worst possible beginning we've ever seen or might ever see in North American Regionals history. We're on day one of the competition, clear in four games, had a whopping total of four points. He went eight, 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 eight. I've never seen such a poor performance strong in a row. Now, granted, Claire did went on my stream after that day and, and complained about it, but I want to hear from the player's perspective. Did you guys notice anything? Were either of you guys in his lobbies going up against Clear as he was stringing together the greatest accomplishment we've ever seen, which is 88888? Uh, I don't... I know he was in my last two games. I don't know if he was in my first four 
I didn't notice him specifically, so maybe Oh, because not. he was dead. That's probably why I didn't notice him. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he, he, he stomped on my dreams in the last game of day one. Uh, <laughs> game six. Oh, yeah. you mean the official last game of day, day yeah, one. Yeah, the official last game where he actually went one. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so the impressive thing about all this is Clear didn't even finish in last place. He actually opened up four A's and then got fourth and first, which is hilarious because Gangly was like, man, this guy's first or eighth rate is like off the charts. And he did again, five out of six games, man. This guy's got first or eighth. What, what did he do in that last game that ruined your first juke? Uh, he was just high rolling and I I was I was playing right. I don't remember exactly. I was playing LeBlanc, um and I was like, Oh, if we can get a first with LeBlanc, it'll be nuts. Um but uh he was too strong and I, I lost. Oh, so I, I, got see, I, see. I I don't I only had the HP to um to get second that game. Got it. Well, one thing that I appreciated was that Clear did say that after his 8888, he needed to keep playing. Because some people be like, why are, you, why are you still playing, man? Like, you, you should just, like, relax and take it easy. There's no way you can go through. He's like, well, you know, I, I want people to not think that I suck. I want to actually win out, like, the last two games and just prove that I actually do belong here. And I appreciate that fire. And it actually has resulted in Broccoli going dead last again. That's two tournaments in a row. This broccoli guy, man, is uh, just going dead last. Anybody getting any, any eyes on broccoli? Like, if anything, did anything stand out? Like, Nathan, did you see any of his games? Yeah, I went back and I watched some of them, and it was like before the tournament, he mostly just talked about how he he just did not have the time to prepare for this how he wanted. Uh, um, okay, okay, makes sense. And makes so sense. When, when you're kind of watching it, you I, I felt like he was in spots where, like, he just truly was unsure what to do and was like, I... Uh, I guess I'll just make two stars and try to put something here. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it's hard to say that Broccoli's playing bad. It just felt like he, he didn't, he didn't know what to do. Um, and that was bad kind of like read. where it was, it, it, I don't, I guess, I don't even know if he had a meta read to be quite honest. It just, I felt like he was just trying to play TFT. And, uh, so I kind of stopped watching quickly after that because I was like, it's really hard to judge what's happening here when, he just has told me prior to this tournament and then you're watching it and it's like he just didn't know what to do okay um so it's just, it, it was just time prep i think for him he's just busy with stuff and when you're playing against uh very strong players that's gonna happen yeah uh well it resulted in him going last and able to spare clear the uh the embarrassment of going 24th and by the way chat is running a poll 80 percent people have said yes clear is the goat of natsc <laughs> he did finish 23rd so if you are a fan of basketball maybe that 23 the goat ah, maybe there's something to that michael jordan didn't make the finals oh. until he started speaking the finals and then he didn't really lose after that so yeah we don't really talk about those round one round two exits like we did in the early days of jordan years we'll see Kyvix and Asa, I think they joined the Broccoli camp. Uh, I read Nathan sat down and talked to as many players he could before the tournament. I think they're in the same boat. Just didn't prep a lot. And I said it a, a little bit beforehand, it's just as well as like, as much as I would love Asa to perform well, it also does not mean that like, you know, it actually kind of makes sense because he was kind of talking about how like, oh, I played like more Omega Strikers than I did TFT. Listen, I love Asa. I wish him all success in the world, but bro, you don't deserve to do well at regionals if that's kind of the mentality you have going into it. I'm not sure if people like strongly disagree with that, but it's, it's like I would be happy to see him perform well, but it doesn't surprise me to see him here 20th, Nathan. Yeah, um, th that one was 
I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I think he's trying to get away from streaming TFT full time. Mm -hmm. uh, he wants to get to a, a point where he's following a path that he wants to follow. And that's just not streaming TFT. It wasn't going to work. So you have to shift directions. He's already qualified for regionals at that point. Mm. Do what you like and, and try, but you don't have to put all of your of your time into it in order to make it that to in order to like, you know, do something that you enjoy. So he just he's just shifting away from it. And yeah, it, yeah, it makes yeah, sense yeah. to see it there. I, I like honestly, I agree with you that if you if you can't try your hardest, you don't deserve to find yourself at, the, at those top spots, because trying your hardest for a player like Asa is going to mean putting time into studying. So if that's not there, neither is the finish. Okay. Fair enough. Out of the players above them that didn't make it, Spetham, JD, Yoonwilf, and Weijin Juki, who, who do you want to talk about the most? Like, who's the player that, uh, that, that interests you the most out of these four players that barely didn't make it? Uh, I remember playing a couple of in-houses with Spetham, and he would take some, like, pretty flexible routes into a first, and I thought... There's no way this guy is being ranked properly on the power rankings. Oh, and, yeah? Well, unfortunately, he's a little bit too flexible, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? Can you, can you give an example? What, what was, like, an example of something that he did crazy flexible and landed in first place in the houses? Um, he was just, well, so he was playing NAR, but he started slamming, like, just, like, JG Hodge for, for Sona. And you would have this three-star Sona, JG Hodge, and like another item, not no blue buff, and no gadgetine, and it was just like good. It was good enough to get him to the first place in in, in the houses. And I was kind of surprised, like, oh, does he know more about this line than I do? Like, has he done the like the studying for this? Uh, I should like, like maybe he's just a genius. He's seen every comp and he knows so much um, specific details about about NAR. And NAR is a, a comp that I think I know a lot about because I've been playing it since PVE. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I thought he knew something I didn't know. But no yikes, I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, apparently he won. Ina says that he wrote a long thing about Discord why he didn't do well. But two, I heard he got like. So there's like a there's what part of the tech issues that he had to restart a game and he was like in a really really good spot and that next game after the restart he went eighth and I think that kind of sapped a lot of his momentum so heart goes out to Spetham I feel like people might look at the result only and just be like well you know STFT just wins one cup and day one's the other it's like come on man I feel like this guy just got really unfortunate uh and the things with the the tech delays and whatnot uh replay any of these other players uh, whether maybe maybe out of the three that hasn't been mentioned, Weijin, you will and JD Zelinsky. Yeah, I mean like the other kind of surprising one, at least for me, it was Weijin, like not making it to day two. Uh, I, I ended up looking at a lot of his games and like he kinda got forced into like, a lot of reroll lines. Like he played uh stacks on stacks and he played like kill reroll. I feel like reroll lines are kinda like you kinda don't get to express as much skill. Like you kinda just roll and, and you see if you hit and you and you see if you miss. And and he was kinda missing that day. So yeah. He also played Double Trouble Kale, which was like, actually, he was super missing that day. Um, yeah. it, it was pretty woke. He hit Kale 3 so fast, and then he got set up in a situation where Double Trouble was his best pick, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Double Trouble Kale. How are you supposed to get to the eight duels that way, man? Yeah, oh, double Trouble Kale is like, I think I ended up looking at his like, late game board, and I was like, I think your board is stronger if you just sack Double Trouble here. Which is like, if, if you're stronger by second, like, something must have went wrong. Uh, but yeah. Oh, no. I got a it, quote. It just can't be good. I got a quote from Raijin that I'm going to do after we go through all the, uh, the first two days of competition to talk about their play. Let's go into day number two. I, my, my one comment about Yoon Wilf. Um, Yoon Wilf just 
needed to play a little cleaner. A lot of the spots that he had, he could have potentially done better. Like, for example, he had Golden Ticket. He rolled for Twisted Fate 3 as his only win con. He hit it, but was too slow. He actually just had the whole, like, Twisted Fate stuck in shop and couldn't get it out in time. And that was the difference between making day, day 2. He would have had enough points. He would have won that game for sure. And that would have been the point swing that got him through. So stuff like that. Just clean it up, Unwolf, and we'll see you uh, next time in Day 2 of Regionals, at least. Speaking of Day 2, we had one of the most uncharacteristic like performances from robin robin had a pretty abysmal day and i kind of want to <sighs> ask like either juku or replay did you did you guys get to play in lobbies with robin if so were you able to kind of diagnose what was going on because this is unlike any performance we've ever seen from him uh i think we were in his final two games right uh and I remember those two games quite well because I was really annoyed uh, by one of them, which was a 2-1 hero augment game where uh, it was Cotton playing Draven, somebody, I don't remember who, playing Laser, um, Laser Focus, we replay playing Hold the Line, and then everyone else was forced into a, a, a Temple line. And Robin, in particular, playing... Um, actually, wait, well, maybe that wasn't the right game. I remember thinking about a different one. Uh, oh god, no, that was a different game. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe it was that game. Sorry, but Robin was playing time and a half in one of his games. Mm -hmm. I think it was third, eighth, and with time and a half, he rolled at six. And actually, so I was wrong. This game had two hustler players. One of the hustler players was mana per twenty or 20 mana per 5. Another player not in that was mana per 5. And then there's two brawler players who were high rolling and hitting work early. So you could not win a fight in stage 3. So he rolled at, in stage 3 and could not win a fight. I rolled in stage 3, I could not win a fight. Um, and yeah, so it was just like your whole game plan relies on hitting, on, on stabilizing in stage 3 and like tempoing up from there and he couldn't do it. It got it got it and then the, his last game was underground so right right uh, at that point i think he was just kind of playing for i don't know like one big win potentially move up the standings but um robin single-handedly took more ace than he has than the past set and a half which is crazy because he went four eight. he actually matched clear he went four eight which is uh really really unlike him um oh well but i mean we know robin will come back and he, this might be we, this might be the last time we ever see Robin not make it to regional uh, finals lobby because he has every single set he's competed in. Socks, I don't. I think Socks, uh, in the words of Showtime, had the worst meta read ever, which is to hard force Ox Force spell slingers every possible time. But that's not true. He actually ended up playing a lot of Laser Core Warwick, but uh, it didn't seem like it worked out for him at least in day number two. But still put on a decent performance. Uh, so I, 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 not, not, I don't have anything too much to say about Socks. I just feel like he didn't prep nearly as much. Nathan, you talked to him, right? Is that, that feels fair to say? Um, yeah, I just, it's, he's, you know, at, he's at the, like, kind of the mercy of a lot of things where he's working full time and, mm -hmm. you know, he's like, he's like making a game and, uh, it's, you know, Socks has very much had this idea that he is, he's going to, he's going to trust his instincts and, and preparation for things. So if he thinks that something is good, he thinks that something is good. Um, that, definitely is competing against a lot of players who are not doing that so your your instinct would have to be pretty in tune at that point yeah but that's just kind of uh again how he i think he's going to play the game for this one and i don't think he's had the time lately that he has had in the past he's also got a kid now and it's just 
I think what really spells it out a lot for you, which this is a very weird look at this, but every single time you watch Sox stream, there's like a little bit more in the background. And there's a little bit more in the background. There's a little bit more in the background. It just keeps stacking up. I just don't think he's got the time to play the way that Sox used to play. The field's getting tougher and his time's getting waned. How, how are you supposed to, to be like the Sox that you were supposed to be uh, before that was happening? Just, you know, as a player, that's, that's not really going to work that way. Okay, well, that's really fair to say, but I guess uh, what Nathan is describing is uh, Sox is slowly turning into an Asian dad. He's just hoarding nonstop. As a, he's like piling <laughs> up stuff, more stuff behind him. People who actually have dads that do that kind of understand exactly what I'm talking about, especially the, the Asian dad where it's like they can't throw anything out, man. They got to save everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any context. Maybe uh, maybe that's what's happening. Maybe that's not. Moving on, let's talk about Garchomp. Garchomp strategy was playing around three costs, and I think he just wasn't really pieced together on day number two. But again, it was his first regionals where he's able to make it far enough, and he outplays Sox, which, by the way, these are like finishing top 15 for the set, right? Like for regionals. That's, that's still pretty good. So Garchomp fitting. 14th, I think is higher than a lot of people would have put him, especially given the power rankings perform. Then Dish Soap replayed it. What, what, did, what, from your perspective, what was going on with Dish Soap? It seemed like he was legitimately getting BG. Were you, were you playing in lobbies with him? I haven't watched too much of the VODs of his games, but like, I, I definitely know his read was like tier start into AP, and like, there's, there's a good chance he gets got like, like, there's a lot of AP players in his lobby, and it's a lot harder to play the game. Like, I think TFT. Is a lot easier. I think like he has this thing where like TFT is a lot easier to play when you're uncontested, like the most valuable thing that you can have mm -hmm. in the game. And yeah, he might not have had that. No, he did not. I remember even when he was uncontested, some things were not falling his way. The reason why I said BG was because there was one game where everyone was rolling down at the same time at four one, and I'm not exaggerating. When seven other players in the lobby all hit their carries at two star and multiple other four star like a uh, four cost as well so it's like they would hit like let's say they're rolling for twisted fate they hit twisted fate and they hit echo too or if they hit uh if they're rolling for Jin and they hit viego but he was stuck on like echo two and everything else one star so it was really really unfortunate that he was like the guy that was the odd one out um and that happens but i think a lot of people might again look at results and just be like what happened dear so weren't you supposed to be like making it to the final lobby i i think that if a couple of things went differently dish soap still came comes in as one of the most prepared tournaments um, or one of the most prepared players in this tournament uh right above him by the way is one of his practice partners kurum who i think is the same way i was watching kurum stream and the thing that stood out to me was he said that he felt like this tournament he realized that he plays two in the box meaning that he's too like meta he's just always trying to play things that he thinks is like the top three s tier comps but he also doesn't really deviate much in the last game when it didn't really matter he's just like all right this is like whatever spot for underground i'm just gonna send and guess what kurum x puts a dub and finally able to get like a really good result and he's like god damn it why didn't i just play this like all weekend like took more risk because i think my conservative approach did not actually work out and so i hope that this is a turning point for kurum nathan that like moving forward he can just be like yes this is the way i was climbing effectively on ladder but in tournaments like i think i gotta change it up sometimes yeah, that was kind of like really, I think one of my only criticisms of Kurum basically ever was um, just kind of trusting the idea of like, this is what it is, uh, and then too much of that. And so I, I think that this was not a set where that was really the case as much. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of opportunities where that comes up, but there's so many powerful opportunities. It's just you have to be in this one kind of specific mm -hmm. spot for it to happen. And so if he continues to play that way against players who do have that depth of knowledge, 
um, I think that that is going to be one of those spots where, where that changes a lot. And and to me, I think one of the biggest surprises that I had was that he was he was taking this set seemingly more seriously, I think, than even last set, where he was trying to to just practice and and be stronger across the board. So that is that does feel like one of those spots where where maybe there's something turning. And I don't know, maybe set nine kind of goes back to to what it was, and and you play a little bit more defined to what the meta game is, but. Uh, that is clearly one of his strong suits is being very consistent with figuring out how to play the best thing and then figuring out the different paths that I'll get there. And this one, it was figuring out how to play the best things, which was a ton of different paths to get to one tiny location. Um, and I, I, that does stand out as something to me that like is probably his biggest weakness is, is uh, playing, I think, too in tune with a lot of different little things. And, and if that changes, he's just a totally different player, I feel like. Okay, well, we'll see going into set nine. Kurum, still one of the best players to watch just if you enjoy the emotional ride of uh, uh, watching some OGs. I mean, we kind of talked about how Kurum is like the last OG from set one still competing in this regionals because other people didn't qualify. Soji didn't make it. Uh, Milk Op took a step break, right? Solus didn't make it. A lot of these like like set one OGs. Kurum is the last ones that still kind of made every regionals. Let's see if he can keep that up. DQA Cottontail and Bossa Skills. Anybody want to talk about any of these players? Uh, Bosses just came really close to making it. In fact, this actually brings me a good opportunity to just bring up some of the quotes. Let me see if I got it here. So, Bosses skills, I asked him about how his tournament went. He said, disappointing choke, really bad positioning mistake, and game five cost me to miss day three by a point, and I lost two placements because of it. Sad way to go out of a tournament. I felt very confident going into, and that... That's kind of disappointing for Basso Skills. Um, any comments, Juke, replay about Basso Skills tournament? I don't have too much to say besides I saw this guy play a lot of Lulu reroll and he's quite good at it. Ah, <laughs> all right, all right. I, I was waiting for that. Yeah. I was waiting for that. I was play waiting for somebody to say like he. I was gonna say I was waiting for someone to say like, "Hey, he played Lulu like every game he possibly could. He deserves it or something like that." But honestly, man, I, it felt like one little tiny mistake really punished him, and he could have made it to that final lobby. It was very, very close. I, I didn't I know that. Was, oh, go ahead. I do think the Lulu real comp is like deceptively hard to play, where like like because a lot of times you're playing first or eighth, like if you're like make a small mistake in it, like you actually like get like a huge placement swing. Which I don't know if this game you're talking about was a Lulu game, but like mm -hmm. I do think like. You, like people under I like how the skill that goes into the comp a little That's bit. That's true. Juke, what were you gonna say? Uh a funny story about Mecha Cup. So I was prepping with Soli uh for Mecha Cup and we had stumbled upon the reroll and how forcible it was at the beginning of set uh patch thirteen point was eight. And that was a Kai'Sa patch, and Lulu is quite good against this Kai'Sa because you have this like D-Claw Pantheon that won't go down against Kai'Sa. Uh, and then Mech became really popular like two days after for the tournament, and then uh, Lulu sucked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then and then we like like obviously didn't advance super far. I made I managed to make it to day two um, or day four because we started in day three. Um, but like. By that point, I was like mentally checked out. Like a lot of our prep went to waste. Um, and but one thing specifically is like you just forget how to play proper tempo when you when you practice so much of this like mm -hmm. loose streak into rerolling into 
uh, hitting at a certain point, you have to lose shit to get the items. Like you, you lose a lot of the fundamentals. So sometimes you just end up in bad spots. Agreed. 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 I guess since we're doing player testimonies, uh, we might as well kind of share a little bit some of the other stuff. I really like what you said about like sometimes you just forget how to play tempo. Uh, one person who didn't really forget how to play was Weijin. This is Nicholas. Uh, he wrote, he said that honestly, I thought I was well prepared and I played fine. I think I low rolled pretty hard. If I played perfect or even better, I don't even know what better than perfect is. I definitely could have made day two, which was kind of disappointed. Also, I felt pretty bad at the tournament that I post most effort in ended up being the one I did the worst in. Ah, uh, he's learning, man. Wishing when he first started competing, he's kind of this bright-eyed, young, rising star who's like, man, if I just work hard, I will be rewarded. Now he learned. He learned. Sometimes you just do all the right things. It doesn't work out, man. It's all good. I think uh, Weijin uh, put on a hell of a fight still. Oh, gambling games. They're lovely, aren't they? Let's gamble. All right. I have a quote from Kindle Gem, a.k.a. Paisanos. I asked, how did you feel about your tournament? He wrote, uh, too many games. <laughs> I am only person in lobby stuck on one star four cause carry sob phase. And then he spammed a bunch of Eminem emotes because uh, apparently that's a thing. <laughs> I asked Ripple Overdrive, how was this tournament? He said, I think my main disadvantage in the finals was not being as well prepared for the 2-1 hero augments, which happened in five out of six games. Playing a normal augment opener is much easier to play a game plan, but 2-1, you have to be way more ready to play. And I mean, that was it, right? The final day replay was like five out of six hero augments. I actually was, I was actually worried about that kind of developing for, for the whole lobby, because I felt like a lot of people weren't banking on that. Wait, hold on. Who, why go to re-replay? We have the biggest 2-1 Augment hater on the server in GQ with us on the podcast. GQ, tell us about how you feel about 2-1 Hero Augments. Uh, yeah, I think if, if Jin wasn't meta, if Jin was not good, it's, it would have been a disaster. Um, Jin can use so many of the 2 costs mm -hmm. um, that... Well, I guess the 2 comps that use the 2 costs well are Infiniteam and Jin. And then if you luck into Burning Spirit, go good for you, I guess. Like if you get the two silver ones, you're fine for Infiniteam. And then if you have like Hextech, you have um, well, they buff uh, your cut, so your cut is acceptable. Yeah, they, they, you can play Small Game Hunter. Uh, there's, uh, you can play Guardian Spirit. There's like a, a good amount of um, hero options you can play into a normal um, level eight comp. This. And so I basically did not want to reroll it most of the time, unless I had like a very specific angle, like Ezreal or something. Yeah. Um, I wasn't looking to reroll. In fact, I wasn't even looking to play Lulu because if it was a two-one hero augment Lulu, you're gonna scout and you're going to find someone already took uh, like the best offense or someone already took growth spurt. I'm pretty sure uh, when we were doing the stats on this, uh, the three best augments for Lulu are obviously those two, um, uh, Guardian Spirit and and the last one was chronic hallucinations but honestly get like get paid and the and flaming ricochet and invigorate were also just fine like you could play oh, um, those you could play lulu or flaming ricochet with lulu um so it, it felt like <laughs> really okay uh, yeah <laughs> so I, I feel like I didn't want to play reroll on two one hero augment and the fact that certain comps became meta in time for this tournament like saved it.
Oh man, we got to delete this VOD. We have other we we, we have other people from other regions <laughs> watching this podcast, man. We they don't I can play Lulu. I can put Lulu on the top of my my spreadsheet and release it. That shit like is too contested. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, China loves jamming Lulu as well. So uh, we shall see. I have a testimony from Malala uh, as well here, which is I think regionals was a good event for me. Malala is a player that was looking like he would be able to contest uh, Setsuko for average placement, and then unfortunately didn't get there. He said, I feel like I played well on the first and second day, but ultimately feel like the pressure the last day got to me going to use it as motivation to try hard next set. Malala wow. kind of have that reputation of crumbling under pressure. We'll see if he can come back stronger, Nathan. Yeah, that's actually like, kind of heartbreaking to hear. I didn't realize that pressure was was building so much on on Malala specifically. Honestly, this is like way off of like the regionals thing, but it's like if we just had cameras, I'd be able to tell. Like, it's so hard to yeah. tell when you can't actually yeah. see the player. You just watch them do something weird, and they're like, are they just lagging, or are they just, like, losing their mind? Like, I don't understand what's happening with some of these little things that are happening that are causing major impacts. But that was something that I've had most of my cast is access to a player camera. And you can tell when someone is, like, really stressed or really nervous about something. It's it's I, it's hard to explain, but you can just, you can just tell. Mm -hmm. Now, what that actually means, that's a whole different story. But if somebody's making mistakes and they're they're clearly pressured about something it, that one's pretty easy to put together um no worries, but i, just, no I didn't worries. realize it was that big of an impact that's that is that's kind of heartbreaking to hear we have juke you who tells you exactly what he's feeling at all times because this guy zooms in and shakes every he takes his camera whenever he sees something he disapproves of he sees his opponent high rolling <laughs> and this show they do it so much it's so funny <laughs> Uh, I'm just I'm like look because the funny thing is I have eight screens up right when I'm not casting and all of a sudden just like what's going on in the corner of my eyes this juke you zooming in and just like shaking his camera all crazy I'm like oh I, I sense the emotion there for sure <laughs> uh, last testimony and this one's probably and then a little bit more lighthearted this is Cottontail who actually this was a snapshot that he tweeted Cottontail said I'm going to regionals with the least prep out of all the players in the tournament if you place below me, just quit, no flame, <laughs> parentheses edited. So he went back and said, you know what? Yeah, actually, I want to do this. I'm going to change my, 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 my grammar. <laughs> I feel like he added no flame. Uh, yeah, oh, maybe, maybe he just actually wrote all that out and then said no flame. Uh, but Cottontail popped off. Congratulations to Cottontail. Uh, incredible natural talent for the game. But that did step for the top eight. And again, Juku, re-replay. I mean, you, you heard it a lot on Hyrule Radio, but I mean, in the shortest way you can recap it, and, and once more from the regional interview, kind of what was going through your head as you kind of realized you were going through the World Championship? We'll start off with you, Juke. Uh, I wasn't completely sure we were like doing the simulations, like on what people had to place for me to lose the average placement spot. So I think I kind of figured out, yeah, there's no way for me to like lose. And I was feeling good. It was like, it was all a little surreal. I didn't like really hit ever, um, but I did have like take a lap around the house screaming like, I did it. I'm the, <laughs> yeah. I did it. I, I, it's, it's finally done. Like I'm going to Worlds. It's, it's crazy. Like I didn't expect, I was expecting, you know, this is going to do my best at regionals. Maybe like get day two, get, get day three, you know, to like try my best. And right, maybe right. that was the mentality that let me like perform my best because otherwise I have pretty bad like performance anxiety. So, you know, uh, once it finally 
was finished once the deed was done i was like okay i can scream and like yeah awesome what's the what's the feeling been like between that day and like now like now that it's like really set in like what what do you feel like the that emotion has been like over those days uh it's it's really weird because it's like strangely quiet in the tft scene you know uh no no one's really talking yet everyone's a little bit tired from the 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 regionals uh i'm like i've been doing nothing but tft for like three days and now uh like even in the in various like study groups no one's talking because everyone's like off doing other things now yeah yeah it's vacation uh, and, all, and all i want to do is like talk more about tft well one because <laughs> i have to but two because I, that's like my my routine now so uh, yeah all that, right that's, well that's kind of how it's been the good news is that I got some. I got the world's competitors into a group. We have a tradition, right, of putting uh, all the competitors into a group. And Ju if Juku thankfully has some people to talk to, and I'll talk with you anytime I can. Although I've I've also been busy myself, kind of doing some job things. Replay. What was going through your mind, man? You when you were making the world championship? Were you even aware of it? Were you just like, oh crap, I I I made it? Yeah, like like I I thought I was locked in on game six, but it turns out like nature's messed with me. I was like. If I went eighth and Malala went first, like a bunch of tiebreaker things happen and ends up I don't make it. So it's kind of good that I didn't really just throw the last game for fun, I guess. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't never do that. <laughs> uh. I didn't really like like really process it until like probably like, the day after. Like the day after, like I got like a bunch of like messages like congrats and stuff like that. I was like, wait, oh, I, I did make it. Like that's that's pretty good. So yeah, and then it's kind of like after that. I don't know, start playing TFT again because Worlds is coming up. Don't really have time to celebrate. Fair enough. Yes, got to focus far ahead and uh, basically lock in because Worlds is a completely different environment. I'm excited for you guys to get some global scrims and, and see how you guys uh, fare in that as well as carry that momentum. Two of our four reps, but perhaps a fifth because Kindle Gem and Robovan Kenobi will be playing an LCQ. I did have one final quote I forgot about from Dpay who did play sick. He said, quote, Last lobby was five out of six hero augment, and I didn't play a single one correct. And so that was what Dpay said. <laughs> uh, but this was the first set for Dpay in terms of like trying to take it really competitively. So I'm sure he's going to bounce back strong. People are voting in chat. Who's also going to have a strong bounce back? Looks like they were evenly split between Ripple and Weijin Iverson. This next segment is going to basically compare how right we were, right, Nathan? We like to review not just the results, but our own predictions as well. And so the good news is that we got 10 out of the top 16 correct. We got Dish Soap, Setsuko, Robin, Kurum, Ripple, Re-Replay, Deepay, Sox, Malala, and Roby. Uh, the bad news is this was our highest chance to post a really good number because there's only 24 competitors <laughs> and we picked 15 of them. So actually the percentage hit rate was not as good as it was in other tournaments because hey. if you look at it, Waging Clear, Kyvix, Beth, and Broccoli missing. Uh, and only eight players don't make that is um, not very good. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you look at it from a distribution standpoint, it's pretty accurate. Because two th a third of the players got eliminated on day one. So if you're nailing two thirds of them at that point, there you go. I mean, just a third of your players got eliminated day one. So be it. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Clear eight <laughs> and eighth makes a lot more sense now in hindsight uh juke re-replay where would you put let, let's say that you guys should be here on the top or replay is here in, in seventh but 
Uh, where would you accurately put yourself right now? Let's, let's start with Juke. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't like to rate myself. I told Am Admirable when he asked me, I think I probably rate roughly in the middle of the field. I think it's basically Dish and Setsuko are the best, and then maybe there's two or three people that are well ahead of the rest, and then and then it's like whoever performed the day of after that. And I think I would you know, maybe put myself around six. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Actually, Ruby Plague sent me his top 15 list. We didn't have time to get Juke, so we'll cover it real quick. Uh, but you got here at seven. Did that put more pressure on you when you noticed that people were like, hey, this guy is probably expected to make final lobby here, putting him in seventh? Okay, I, I honestly was like, seven seems kind of low. So I, I oh! felt like I had like a fire under my flame to like actually perform and like do better than that, to be honest. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I like that. Wow. That's the first time we ever heard that. Uh, specifically with a newcomer making it. Most people were just like, man, I'm just happy to make it. I get the recognition. What a giga chad. What Wait, so we chad. need to rank you lower for worlds as well. Okay, yeah, I'm down to leave replay like off the list on worlds and just put a big chip on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of chads, I want to, we also hand out an honorary award for best ballots of the, uh, of the event. Um, and this one was a tie um between a lot of people a lot of people got 11 people correct out of 15. um so i started weighting them actually through accurate represent rack rankings based off of who finished and only three people ranked juke you it was uh admirable one uh amd two and natures but the problem with andy's ballot was he put kyvik second so it destroyed his entire ballot in terms of <laughs> points that he could get and it basically became between admirable and natures and when i calculated it all it went to natures because he re rated re replay higher than nathan did and uh, as a result natures does end up winning so congratulations natures once again by the way that's back-to-back -back events in a row that natures had the best ballot he tied with gangly previously i mean this natures guy he watches a lot of tft Maybe you should trust Wait, I want, I, I want to shout out Natures for uh, putting me 15 on mid-set, but also. Yes, he did. I think he it was did. He in you as well. He's got the eye for talent, man. There's something yeah. about it. There's something about it. Nature's got a true money ball going on. I don't, I don't know exactly how he's doing <laughs> it, but we're, we're thinking very similarly. But his is a little bit more organized, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. All right, so we promised that we have a top 15. This is a re-replay, so maybe you can reveal where he actually believes that he belongs. And he put him third behind Setsuko Dish Soap. So it goes one, Setsuko, two, Dish Soap, three, re-replay, four, Juke you. Wow, five, Wage Niverson. And then six and seven is Ripple and Robin. Then you have the bottom half, which is Broccoli, Kurum, Socks. And then the last five is D-Pay, Asa, Clear, GQA, and Cottontail. And so... I think that's my... The 8 to 15 is not my tier list, I believe. Oh, is it not? I must have put that incorrectly then. So let me, let me fix that real quick. Give me a second there. So why don't you talk about the first seven then? And um, do you believe that you are there within the top three uh, alongside... Uh, Setsuko and Disso. I kind of agree with like what most people think. I think there is a gap after the first two, but I think, like, I think there's a gap after the first two, and then I think there's probably like, a gap around like six or seven. Interesting. And then, Interesting. And then like I, I do, I do kind of believe like it's kind of hard to rank people. Uh, post like around six, I think. I think then it's kind of just given on the day. 
thank you thank you uh, well, that's what that's what that's the reason why we have you guys do this thing so you can understand that it's not easy i do have the correct list so i scrapped what i said before about 8 to 15 he had kindle gem spethem malala Deepay, and then the last four is boss of skills garchomp pro kyvix and robivan kenobi um I don't, so how about how about this in the second half of the list who do you think is the player that you think will do the best in set nine moving forward that's that's a tough question i i think a lot of it depends on like because like sometimes like people don't like fully commit to the next set after like doing a set but like, i think i think dp might actually be very good because i think he actually puts in the time and like he does more mm. than just spam the game like he actually has the time to i guess learn the game and like i i think like this time like he maybe got unlucky because there's a bunch of two cost zero augments will we bother you after and like i think a lot of times like i think the kind of a big mistake is like with two one hero augments you take augments that don't make sense on your board but actually just high power level right, right um and like a mistake like that like people will never make again so it might be scary next set okay okay kindle gem it feels like people are starting to catch on to it you really think you rate kindle gem pretty highly replay oh i I played some in-houses with him. Like, uh, he was kind of smorfing, so... Ah, so he impressed you a lot. He impressed you a lot. Juki, did the Kindle Gem impress you as well? Uh... I don't know about that. Uh... <laughs> I didn't play that many in-houses. I got, like, a headache pretty early on, and I oh. couldn't really play that many afterwards. But, um... <laughs> I remember in one of his games in regionals, he just hard-forced Gadgetine Crest. Or even a hard force it. He just got a three-two back for blood. Kept playing Gadgetine until four-two, and gets a Gadgetine crest. So now he has Gadgetine back for blood. Like he decided to go for the line. And I don't think that seems that correct to me. Got it. Got but it. you know, may maybe it is correct. He, he ended up like second or third that game. Uh, so like good for him. Um. But those kind of lines don't feel like they're super consistent, and I think I think that's not being consistent is like the the kryptonite of doing well at a TFT tournament. Okay, interesting observation. I, I think I missed that game, but that sounds pretty. It sounds pretty dank having Belveth Gadgetines uh, as your main carry or as your as your main line. But I'm yeah. excited. Oh, go ahead, Nathan. No, I was just agreeing with that. It's just that it does seem kind of wild in hindsight when I think about it. I'm like. Hmm. I mean, maybe not the playing gadgetine part like that. He's like, I don't know, maybe play because it's just it's working. But yeah, like yeah. If, that, if that's like your hard force, it's like, wow, that is brave. All right. Keep your eyes peeled for Kindle Gem and Robovan Kenobi again this weekend. LCQ will be co-streaming it. Let's go into our next segment, which is agree. This is our second to last thing that we do. Uh, we basically put out a statement on the on the screen and we ask our panel if they agree. And then chat also basically chimes in and votes. All right, so here we go. First one is, uh, I'll let Juki start off in response to it. Quote, abusing bugs, end quote, like Ezra's projectiles or vibe boxing lessons should be punished in tournament. What do you think, Juke? Um, they gave us tournament rulings ahead of time. So if they told us you can't hack your Ezreal, then I wouldn't have hacked Ezreal. Uh, they told us it was, it was vibe, that you could do it. And they told us you could do the vibe boxing lessons one. Now, if they didn't give us a ruling beforehand, I would think it's... I don't know about the uh, Ezreal projectile one and the vibe boxing lessons one. I don't actually know the full extent of the bu bug. Like, do you need to keep it on your bench or do, can you sell... Or does it work if you sell Vi um, 
so I'm not completely sure, but like if it's unavoidable, like oh you don't want to play Vi anymore, so you sell it. Um, then like what can you really do? Uh, so I agree that abusing bugs should be punished, but uh, what is ruled as um, punishable, if it's already pre-ruled as like not punishable, then then you just have to play on the even playing field. Okay. Interesting. I mean, it, it is it is hard to to to, to toe that line, especially the tour organizers. But uh, I'm interested to hear what re replays to say. I think the five boxing boxing one was kind of interesting because I didn't even know about the bug until day three. But like players are already using it in day two or like earlier days, and like the bug is like basically like so I can't really get to reproduce it quite well in ranked like these days. So I don't know if they like I don't know Ninja fixed it or like I'm just not good at using bugs. But like basically <laughs> like, the idea is like you can you like. You play the Vi for a turn, and then you can take your Vi off your board, and you, all the units that are on that board, uh, when the Vi was on your board last turn, like get the still get the bonus HP. And like, like I was like watching some vods, and like it seems like you just keep the bonus HP like throughout the whole game. Mm -hmm. um, like, like using something like that on tourney is kind of suspect when like not everyone in the tourney realm like knows of that, because in my opinion, like that bug is like quite game changing. Where like a lot of times on two one hero augment, you can just take it. And you can play anything you want. It's a it's it's a game changer. Or like other things you can do is like on three two, if you have a brawler board, you take the Vi box lessons bug, and then you actually just pivot into rift walkers later if like you're like super contested lasers. It's like it's it's like really game changing. So I feel like a bug like that like everyone should know in the tournament beforehand. And like you shouldn't be allowed to use okay. it unless it's like known by everyone. So only if it's fair game is uh, when it feels like it's okay to quote abuse this in that sense. Okay, interesting, admirable. I think this is the reason we have rules is that you can tell people what they can and can't do. And if it's something that nobody else knows about and you show it in a game and then they decide they want to change the rules in the middle of this and make everyone fully aware that you cannot do it. Well, then then why should you be punished in the first game? You did it. You introduced it. You showed it. They now made a rule for it. Like they had to change something because you were there for it. And so for me, it's just all rules are rules. And that's that. Now, if, if something is literally unenforceable, that's when it starts to become a problem. But bug rules are enforceable. And it's as simple as that. I completely uh, disagree that it should be punished unless there's something that says this is against the rules. Okay. And I think chat agrees. I also, or rather chat disagrees alongside with you. And I'm of the same belief. I, the only reason why I brought it up is because this came up with Sezuko's game when he mentioned boxing lessons. It sparked controversy, which is like, hey, should Sezuko actually be allowed to get away with it? In reality, I think I do think there's nuance. It's not like a binary, like if you abuse a bug or you use a bug, you get punished. I just don't think it is unless it's directly against the rules. Otherwise, it's something that like replays us. You don't even know what you don't know. Like what if no one knew it? And then all of a sudden you kind of stumbled upon it. There is some plausible deniability that you can't really prove unless the guys that went, went into it saying, yeah, I knew this bug and I exploited it and I hid it from everybody. Like no one's going to actually come out and say that. So it feels like you can't just do a sweeping motion and say, yes, punish everybody who ever like uses bugs like this, especially since apparently in chat, some people are saying that also he didn't even use the bug version of it. All right. So that's our first agree. Let's go to our second one, which is a little bit more lighthearted and perhaps uh, something that people feel strongly about still this is the strongest lineup north america has ever sent to the world championship let's start off with re-replay oh i mean i've kind of been out of it so i haven't really seen the other lineups we have sent to worlds okay uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I walk through it. I can good. walk. I can walk through some of it. But I think like just knowing the names doesn't really help you because like you have to like know like how good they were on that current patch, like how good they were like relative to like your competition. So okay, fair I don't enough, know. Like enough. our chances, but I don't know how well NA has done. Like yeah. So you disagree because you just can't necessarily agree without information. Is that what it is? I don't think I would disagree. I, I think I think we have the strongest lineup, but Damn, that's what I want to hear. That. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Juke. Oh. Uh, what was the lineup the year Milk went? Uh, he went twice. He went uh, set oh. five, had him, Robin Songs, and Spencer. And then set six was him alongside Goose. Uh, hold on, actually, just let me reference. Um, but you're thinking about set five, right? The one that... Uh, yeah, yeah, I think set yeah. one. Um, maybe this is just like me being old and like remembering how dominant he was in set one. Um, but I feel like that guy... Yeah, whatever set he went is probably the strongest lineup. <laughs> Goobums. Goobums is S6 because he, he performed exceptional in that tournament as well. It was Goobums, Goose, and, uh, and Goob, uh, uh, yeah, Milk Goose and Goobums. And then Ramblin and Iniko went to LCQ. Oh, man. Imagine if we just did the top four there. Oh, okay. Well, Nathan left. He doesn't even want to answer this question. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and just say yes. Uh, I think this is the strongest lineup because I define the strongest lineup as the best chance for us to win the world championship. And I think that we have two players who have demonstrated a lot of tournament results proficiency in set eight, both Juku and Re-Replay. And we also have Setsuko and Weijin who are some of the strongest players who can angle for first place on the server. And so it is not Cope. I actually believe that this is the strongest that we have. And also pound for pound. I do think that we have all four players who are who have capabilities of winning the championship. I'm just going to be very real out here. Set five, Nature's is like set five is our strongest in chat. I don't think like Robin was capable of winning the world championship in set five. I just don't think he was. I, I just don't think he had the, the he, he, he spiked regionals. And because of how fortunate he was back then, I think that people may have misremembered what actually robin's average playing skill was relative to the field at the time um and i think the the world championship kind of exposed a little bit of that and even in robin's words he didn't even he wasn't even exactly in, in good form for the world championship either so i think that this is our strongest all right nathan you're back yeah what do you think? um set five was really strong no doubt i think that set four was really strong as well um but i think that there's honestly all the all the NA ones have been pretty good. But what I'm saying for this one is that I have to make a new one of these signs because this is my set five sign <laughs> that I made. All right. And this is real. I don't even I took I put so much time into making this thing because I was so stoked. I was like, NA's winning. There's no question. We got milk, and that's that frankly, that's all we need. But but Robin can be there just by pure consistency. And Spencer was just playing a like a, a wildly different game, it felt like, than everybody else. So I thought we had three angles to win. I have to make a new one because I, I think this is by far the strongest one we have, especially relative Ooh. to the field, I think. I think that look, I'm always gonna say this, even if it's a meme, but I think Europe is just playing fucking weird. Um, and when I watch China, wow. there's a lot of things I learn about it, but it feels to me like they're too stuck in a box. It feels like that they're playing a lot of different stuff, but they try to force a lot of things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's just, that's not how the game is working right now. You have to know how to get to those spots, not the spots that you can get to all the time, because they're going to be, you're going to be missing so much EV 
if you pass up on stuff and th this is highlighted by so many games that i watch and i think it's highlighted a lot by this particular regionals i think this is the strongest one we've had and honestly i think it's by a pretty wide margin wow okay well that's that that part is a hot day chat disagrees 60 40 they think at least the majority thinks that we've had a stronger lineup in the past but you know what chat it's okay to be wrong that's totally fine by me look at these eu winners in chat i can't believe look talk to me when you send somebody to the top eight of worlds all right <laughs> oh i mean they uh nathan they <clears throat> i hate to break it to you but they, they do have a world championship under the belt but not for long <laughs> at least in terms of the even score between north america ema is said for sure last one last degree the North American Regionals format should adopt a lower bracket slash last chance bracket similar to China. For people who don't know, China plays every stage, meaning like the round of 24, the round of 16, the round of 8, etc. Except for the final lobby, they give them a lower bracket chance. So, for example, if they have uh, 32, uh, if, they, if they have four groups of eight players, It'll be like the top two advance and then three through six go to like the lower bracket and then they have to play for um, another opportunity um so i just kind of want to toss it out there admirable why don't you go first wait what happens in seven eight in this bracket they get eliminated that... they get eliminated okay so two players advance two players get eliminated four players go to a lower bracket i feel like it's kind of a harsh way to do it honestly but it does sound interesting to me i think that there are ways that you could change it do I... let me put it this way i think that the regionals format here is good. I like the average placement thing. It's hard to say that I agree with this. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it continue to change and adapt, but I disagree with this. I think that the format that we have right now is pretty good. I think it gives a lot of leniency to players who who like low roll on a first or second day. Um, and I think it, it stands out for the player that is the best performing over the course of the tournament, which I think is a major highlight to what it is. It adds uh, dynamicism to the final uh, lobby that's taking place and i feel like that there's a reason that we put together such a strong pool of players for this world's um well number one is because our pool of players was honestly pretty good but i think that this helps highlight who those players are the most all right juke what do you think uh clarifying question sure so they play how many games before the top like they, how they do they shuffle games. their lobbies no, no, no. So China doesn't reshuffle lobbies. They only play, you get assigned a lobby and you play five games. And then after those five games, top two advance, bottom two get eliminated. Three through six go and play in the lower bracket and wait for a result of another group. Okay. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> I think ours is better. Interesting. Okay. So you just, you just straight up like, I just don't like the sound of that and I'd rather just play... Not shoveling a lobby yeah. sounds like, like crazy. You could just uh, luck into a quote easy lobby, uh, not reseeding. It's like you don't know how people are going to perform the day of, so not reseeding, you might just uh, end up being an easy lobby because some people had the wrong meta read um, going in. Uh, and they were like, they a different patch, they would be the best player, but this patch, they're not the best player because, um, you know, they chose chose the wrong line to go interesting yeah some, some people like that though because some people like the fact that there's like narrative to like one lobby right because you can kind of follow the story of the lobby for five games and really see kind of the journey of everybody going through but that's i understand the what i like the most that is that's is that is an upside it's a trade-off kind of what we're talking about but yeah. really interesting take juke replay what do you think yeah i feel like i'm not kind of i kind of like how we reseed every two games because i think there's a lot of like variants like like there's weaker like 
everyone in regionals is good, but like there are weaker and stronger players. Like, like you can just get like unlucky and like have like the best like seven players in your lobby, and the other lobby is like people are too busy to prep or something, and they're just not ready. They're not the best like in form right now. Um, yeah, like also a side thing that's kind of interesting I think to bring up is like I like our format, but like I think the best indicator of like who should we send to Worlds is actually like average placement, not in just the tourney, which I think was kind of good that we had for regionals, but like also over the set. Like I feel like that is actually a large enough sample size that you can actually decide if like a player is good or bad over that sample size. Huh? Who would that be? I mean, that is Setsuko actually, right? Setsuko had the best AVP in the tournament throughout all the set as well, so he had both locked out based off your criteria. Yeah, I think something interesting is like I think the five people, like the top five people with the best AVP over the whole set, like we're sending four of them. So that's mm, interesting. Like... Interesting. Okay. Well, chat barely agrees it's actually the most narrow split we've had in quite some time 53 47 i think people really see the merits both pro and against i think people like the idea of not having like one day of really unfortunate games You're looking at like a wage iverson where he just nearly missed out has an opportunity to play in that lower bracket at the same time i pretty much you know echo a lot of what people are saying i think we're pretty close to the ideal format if anything i wish there were just more players again this regional i'm kind of sad that we had 24 if we had 32 i think it would have brought back a little bit more of the hype but um i know that some people argue that regional should be a little bit more exclusive so that's another another agree potentially for another time as we can look ahead for a future regionals to potentially get that for us hey i'm gonna add a day and add eight more players <laughs> uh sure sure and uh, eight more casters hopefully <clears throat> okay uh last part of the show which is the most important as everybody knows is uh the fantasy results now apparently i didn't have the records of the mid-set finale but so far it's just been the frodan show yeah bryce barely won defender cup but as you know he won by seven points that's just high rolling um <laughs> I won the other two that counted, and we don't really know what happened in mid because apparently I can't find the results. And now we get to reveal perhaps the greatest draft to ever grace upon us with its presence. That is Dpay. Somehow this guy drafted five of the top nine heading into regionals, which I don't, the only way you could do better is you, you literally draft five players who make final lobby. This has never happened. He blew out the competition. He has more than double the points of Admirable, who sits fourth at 168. Uh, actually, Admirable got cleared by 120 points by me. I finished in third, and Asa finished in second. Me and Asa were actually kind of close for rank two and three throughout the day until... Uh, uh, Bethlehem yeah. actually has 20 points. It's been wrong the entire uh Oh, okay. And that, it wasn't that close for oh. me then. <laughs> it wasn't that close for me. So I, I didn't pay attention to that, but yeah, Asa got clear. He cleared me by second points. But the most important thing is I draft better than any other TFT caster. So I'm just hanging out to that narrative. Nathan, <laughs> any words? Draft. This is my <laughs> first draft. And at the end of it, y'all were flaming D-Pay. And I was like, I think D-Pay's draft is pretty good. I thought he had the best looking one, to be honest with you. You were literally the only person saying that. Even D-Pay afterwards was like, man, I messed up in drafts so Which was mind boggling to me. I was like... <laughs> Man, I don't know. The, the Kindle Gym draft was a little bit weird, but the rest of his team I was like, damn, this team's really good. Yeah. Juke, you has a feel to be the highest value draft ever. 111 points for $1 yeah. from Asa. One, 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 one is not coincidence. <laughs> yeah, that's true. $1, <laughs> 111 points. Replay, thank uh, you for I carrying. Joking, 
I jokingly uh, tweeted after you like had your tweet like, oh, who do you think did the best? And like, I think Nature said, oh, you know, so and so like Asa did the best. And I said, yep, time to carry the team. I was joking at the time because I was like, wow, how did I make it on this draft? Uh, no one really knows my name. Like, that's that's a pretty cool shout out, I guess, by Asa. But uh, I actually, I actually did do it. <laughs> I'm gonna. The reason that I didn't take bid on Juki was literally because I had Kyvix already, and I wanted to fight for Wajian Iverson as my fifth player. And then when nah, Dan won it, I was like, "Crap!" You wanted to spend thirty on DQA. You wanted to spend thirty on that DQA. That is not. Didn't you? Okay, that was my backup plan. Was the DQA? <laughs> I was hoping that you would bid on somebody before that point, and then I would we'd be in a battle for thirty for thirty. Um, and then he was somebody your best performing player, and, though. He was your best performing player. I know that. That I'm not results oriented like you are. Uh. Um, what I'm looking at here is is the overall drafts for this one. I wanted to take Aza because I genuinely thought he would bid on himself more, and I took the clear one because I I thought clear was an easy pick for one dollar. Uh, and going into the rest of them, the Kyvix <laughs> one was like I probably should have taken his word where he said he was felt like he's a little bit less prepared for this. Um, but I just I just watch him play. He's always good. Um. And then yeah, that was that was really what stood out for me. I was I was like, man, I I've just been I bought too many players to start. That was my no, no, horrible no, you, plan for this. Problem my is, first you overbid. Right. You overbid for clear at one dollar. That was that that was where it all went wrong. <laughs> Technically, you're right. Yeah, I took up a spot. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, just for the last thing, is that Wage and Iverson and Budenwolf were one and two points off from making day two, and if. You know, more dog or or Yunwil didn't choke it for the Pacific three. I had a chance to go it. deeper. Oh I'm my mad, gosh! It's okay, Yunwil. Good try, good try. Your first. I blame myself, man, for trusting you. Well, it's about time you blame yourself for something. <laughs> All good replay. Thank you for carrying the team, man. I was actually sweating a little bit at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, I remember like you were talking about your team wasn't doing well on day one, and I was like in your chat, I was like, "Don't worry, I, I got like it's just a small hiccup." But didn't really believe in myself <laughs> at that point. But that that was legitimately uh... one of the first times I had ever seen Dan nervous about something too. It's like ten years of being on stage with Dan, and it's like this was legitimately one of the first things I felt like he was nervous about. Like ever. And Dan was the officiant at my wedding after a joke question that turned into a real thing. He was not nervous about uh, that yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's okay. Uh, basically, we close up the fantasy season with Frodan on top. Two dubs, a dub by DPay and a dub by Bryce. Actually, I believe Kurum may have won one of the things. Like, I don't remember exactly, but I have to go back and look at Midset. But. Uh, either way, fun season, folks. Fun season. Someone asked in chat, "Is there any stakes on the line?" No, because we can't have players drafting and betting on stuff. <laughs> that's just uh, that's that's definitely grounds for some potential punishment. Yeah, you can't do that. And with that, that's the end of the show. Let's get some final thoughts, any comments, or perhaps one topic that might be burning on their chest that they want to get off. But go ahead, go around and, and talk to people. So uh, re replay. Any any final thoughts to wrap up this fantastic episode recapping regionals? I don't think I have any final thoughts. Thanks for having me on. That's right. Go North America. Juke you. Any uh, final thoughts and, and comments? Um, no, yeah. Also, thanks for having me on. Uh, super fun talking more about TFT. Uh, yeah, and thanks for replay for ranking me like fourth on your list. <laughs> more than <laughs> I do myself. <laughs> in, in 24 games, I think they're pretty good, but that's just me. It's just me. Also, no, I saw some of your lines. My... You play some crazy lines. Yeah, I, uh, I like have not played this well all set. I played this well maybe like 
two or three sets ago, but like not this set. So Dang. everyone is justified for not thinking I'm, I wasn't that good this set because I wasn't. <clears throat> fair enough, fair enough. And you're peaking at the right time. And if you think that was good, just wait till the World Championship. Juke, you average better than a 3.0. He's going to average better than a 2.0. Actually, that's probably, probably not going to happen, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Admirable. And he's winning. That's that's it. That's that's all I got to say. And he's got this one for sure. I I've only it. been saying it my entire life of, of anything related to esports, but he has got this one for sure. All right. And on that note, I, I, he echoes exactly what I said. You heard me say it at the very end of the broadcast, but I once again believe that North America will win the world championship. Not to mention, May 28th is my birthday. That is championship Sunday at the world championship, right? So like, what better way? Please, Jukyu, replay... You don't have to do anything. You don't have to give me any birthday shout outs. You don't have to give me any presents. Just win for North America, and that would be great enough. I have no better. I can't think of anything better than to celebrate my 33rd year on this planet than with a dub and rub EU's face in it for the rest of my casting career. <laughs> Boom. Well, that does it for this episode of Don't Talk If You Don't Know. The last episode before our set final review. We don't, we don't have a, a preview for the World Championship, unfortunately, this time. Uh, but we're gonna, the next time we go live will be to talk about everything set eight and do the final rankings. It's different. It's not a power rankings going to an event. It'll be us giving a definitive who were the best players of the set. So keep your eyes peeled for the next time. And Bryce will rejoin and we'll try to look at the appropriate guests. Make sure to tune into LCQ. Make sure to tune into the World Championship. Find everything else at TF or RiotGames.com slash TFT Worlds. Uh, and the last thing is please follow us on our social media. Just uh, we have a new YouTube channel. If you haven't heard, youtube.com slash at DTIYDK, where you can find all the history of our our past broadcasts and everything in the future as well. From Frodan, Ambo, GQ, and Re Replay, this has been episode number 24, North America Regionals Reviewed. And we'll see you guys next time for more TFT action.